Hello and welcome back to the Coach's Corner. It is Peter Sochik, your career development and training manager, coming at you with episode five of our 2022 season. I was thinking of topics for this episode and it kind of dawned on me with regards to the meetings we're still having and I realized that I haven't really had any in-person meetings. Even with the decline of COVID-19, at least here in the United States, we're still doing a lot of things virtually, which forces us to meet virtually with our clients, with potential businesses, even our direct managers for one-on-one or feedback meetings. So I thought it would be important to talk again about our virtual presence. I know we've done something like this in the past related to virtual presence and etiquette, but I thought it'd be good to revisit what you can do to create a strong virtual presence with a colleague, potential business lead, or a friend, even a family member that you're having on Zoom or whatever it might be. So today we're going to talk about why it's important to create a strong virtual presence and then how to create that through key elements of your virtual presence. It's a good one. I hope you like it. Now let's dive in. As many of you have probably experienced, even with the decline of COVID-19 here in the United States and restrictions loosening up inside of UHY, we're still doing a lot of things virtually. I was talking with my manager and we both kind of said, you know, I can't remember the last time we had a meeting in person with a vendor or potential client. And it really got me thinking. I was like, yeah, if we're experiencing that, I'm sure other folks are. So I thought it was important to touch on really two aspects of a virtual presence, which is why it's important and how to do it through five key elements of your virtual presence. So let's start with why it's important. If you think about it, first impressions go a long way. And if we give off the wrong first impression, whether that's in person or virtually, the person on the other end may not want to work with us or send people business once we conclude our relationship with them. It just leads to a whole litany of either good or bad things, depending on how you play it. So your virtual presence is just as important as your physical presence when you are meeting colleagues through a screen. It helps portray a positive image to your fellow teammates, showing that you care. It shows that you're not going through the motions. And especially when we were at the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, there was actually some research that showed that self-care rituals like getting dressed, like doing your hair, like putting on makeup, and even working at your computer can still have a significant impact on your mood. Now, we are seeing more people in person because we are in most states returning to the office or some form of it, but there can still be that added bonus, like I'm going to work, even if it's at home, I'm still presenting a professional image when I'm sitting down in front of my computer and taking calls via Zoom, Microsoft Teams, or go to meeting or webinar or whatever it might be. Now, in my research for this topic, I found really five key areas that are important to consider. And we're going to run through all five of them. Hopefully, you can take one or two key things from each one to be like, hey, that would help strengthen my virtual presence. And I'll let you in on a little secret. I'm guilty of some of these faux pas that I'll mention or that you'll pick up on. So it does happen to everyone. So even if you're doing these now, you don't have to beat yourself up. There's always room for improvement. The first thing I want to mention is appearance, and especially here at UHY, we hold a very business professional look. When we go to a client, it's usually, you know, in some form of suit or, you know, a nice dress or uh, some combination of the two. And what 
during the pandemic found is that business casual sort of became that new normal where it's like a button-down shirt, it might be a blouse, maybe some jeans or a skirt would be appropriate because you're physically not seeing people. You may also be able to wear polos or sweaters depending on your climate. I know for our folks down in Atlanta, the polos are like, yeah, it's still 80 degrees here. We're not going to wear a sweater. But for us folks here in Michigan where it gets sub-zero very often, I'm frequently in sweaters when I'm on Zoom calls. And it's just because I need to stay warm and make sure I'm comfortable on this call with this client. Now, when it comes to picking out whatever color or pattern, there's a couple key points to keep in mind is that solid colors and neutrals are often the best because loud prints like leopard, camouflage, etc., those can be somewhat distracting to a person on the other end where they're spending more time focusing on your shirt. And I don't know if others have experienced this, but I've noticed when I'm on a conference call and somebody has a really distracting shirt or pattern that they're wearing, my eyes tend to like lose focus or it tends to jitter on the screen. So it's really hard for me to focus on the person on the other end because I'm spending so much time looking at their clothing. It's also best to avoid something bright white or dark black because you can kind of look like a blob on camera. Like if you're wearing a, you know, a solid, very bright white shirt, it's just going to be your head. And especially if you're on like a white background, which we'll touch on, you might just kind of be floating in space. Same thing goes with black. If you're in a very dark room, it might just be your head or it might just look like a gelatinous blob on the screen to your fellow colleagues, your future business partners or anything like that. And as I mentioned, it is still wise to wear not your pajama bottoms, but some form of jeans or a skirt because you never know when you're going to have to get up in the middle of a meeting. I committed this faux pas, I think, last week when I was on a meeting with my manager, and I, I needed to grab something, and I realized, you know, I was still wearing, I think, a you know, a sweater, but I was still wearing, you know, some shorts that I had was my pajamas. So I was like, oh, shoot, I probably should have put regular pants on because that doesn't look professional at all. It looks like I rolled out of bed and just hopped on my computer. So we all have room for improvement, including your own coach. The second thing to consider is the lighting in your environment. And we can't all create the perfect environment. I get that. We all don't have access to a sunlit window or professional studio lighting. And that's not what we're trying to say. But there are things to keep in mind when you're setting up your virtual space. Proper lighting is essential for people to see your face clearly. If you are working in the office, it is tends to be very well lit, but you might also experience some shadows because we do have a lot of overhead lighting. And there's things you can do to improve that. You can add a ring light. You can add a little light on your desk that helps give you that added light to the lower part of your face or your body, whatever is being overshadowed. Natural light, warm indoor lighting or white indoor lighting or light from your computer screen are all sources of light. And I'm not telling you to just rely on your computer screen for light because that often doesn't give the kind of light you need for, you know, a conference call or a potential business lead. Uh, natural light, especially if you have like a little lamp or something at your desk you can have turned on. If you have access to a sunlit window, that's even better. The thing with the sunlit window is, is that you don't want to sit with your back to a window. And I've noticed this on several calls with folks from inside of UHY and out where they're in front of a window. And what tends to happen is you're very hard to see. It's what one of the articles I found is called Shady Face, where we can't really see you because 
the sunlight will kind of vary. It'll flicker. You'll be bright one second, and then you'll go dark the next. So if you can, flip that 180 degrees and instead work with your computer in front of your window because the sunlight gives you a very nice, natural light. Now, I know my folks in Michigan or New York are probably going to be like, Peter, we only see the sun like 30 days a year. What should we do? Well, as I mentioned, you can have ring lights that you can attach to your laptop or your computer screen. In fact, I have the equivalent of a ring light behind my regular camera here at home where I just flip it on for conference calls. It helps get rid of some of that shadow that I experience from my overhead uh, recessed lighting. And it really helps get rid of that, that shadow that you experience, really the lower part of my face leading into you know my neck area. So people can still see me without those nasty shadows. When you're working at night, if you can have like a warm reading or a standing lamp, you know, one to two feet away from you works well. So sitting at my desk here, I've got like a corner of my air, my desk where I could potentially put a lamp just to help liven things up a little bit. I'm also in a basement, so there is no natural light for me to speak of. But if you're working at night in front of a sunlit window, or in this case, no sunlight, just having that lamp nearby helps. It's also beneficial once you have your setup configured, your ring light, your lamp next door, you're in front of a sunlit window, to take a few minutes before the meeting to test your camera and equipment with your lighting setup. I know when you enter a Microsoft Teams meeting, there is the option to configure all of those things before you jump into it. I highly recommend doing so if this is your first time implementing this setup, is just looking at yourself saying, okay, where's the computer? Where's the light coming from? Am I getting any nasty shadows I need to take care of? So just take those few extra minutes before you hop into the meeting to get that all set up properly. Now, lighting brings me into a good segue with regards to camera position. Now, I know many of us are often working off laptop computers. Maybe we have it hooked up to a couple of monitors, so we don't always have access to a USB webcam. We might just be using our laptop camera, which is fine, but the thing is, you don't want colleagues staring at your hairline or your chin line for the duration of the meeting. So you want to try to avoid those odd angles, especially I saw one of my colleagues had a setup where the laptops on their flat desk, their monitors are elevated. Now, still very professional, but it is one of those odd angles where you kind of have to look down for the camera to see you. You might hurt your neck staring at the camera for all that time. So what we recommend doing is if you are contained to a laptop camera is to lift that laptop up a bit so it's at eye level. Once you get it there, it's much easier to focus on the screen, focus on the camera when you need to. You're not craning your neck or anything like that. You can also purchase, like I mentioned, a USB camera that you can plug into your laptop dock or to your laptop directly and place it on top of one of your computer monitors. In fact, that's how I have my setup here at my home office is I've got a camera plugged in. It's right on top of my monitor. It's a little bit above eye level, but I don't find myself straining to look at the camera when I'm on a conference call. It's very easy for me to look up there, maintain my focus, and I'm not, again, hurting myself trying to do it. As far as pricing, the cameras can run from anywhere $100 and up. The higher you go, of course, the better quality camera you're going to get, especially because the laptop cameras tend to be a little bit lower resolution. The one I'm working with is HD 1080p for all those stat folks out there. But anything that gets you above that real low res so your folks can clearly see you on the other end. 
Now, when your camera's focused on you, it's also going to be focused on your background. Your background is essential. And as we found out during the COVID-19 pandemic, it was kind of expected that with everybody staying at home, backgrounds were going to be a little crazy with whether it's kids that are just playing or animals that are hanging out with you because they're like, oh, my human's here the whole time now. Or if you're working on chores because everything's kind of jammed into one space, you don't have a fully function office. What we found is that when you're creating a comfortable virtual presence, you want to have some sort of plain wall or subtle piece of artwork. That makes for the best backdrop. And in fact, if any of you have been on a video conference with me, you notice I really only have a couple things in my background. I've got a nice painting of Denver that my fiance got me for Christmas. And then I've got a bookshelf where you can't really see all of it. You just sort of see a part of it. So it's not distracting in any way. And we'll get to how bookcases can become distracting in a moment. We also recommend if you don't have a fully functioning office like I do or other peers do, is to clean up any of those messes that might be in your background. Easiest way to do this is there's a setting in Teams where you can go into your devices and it'll show you a little preview of where your camera and what it's showing. And if you just look at that little box and you're like, okay, looking at that, I can see I've got that dirty pile of dishes in there. I've got laundry that still needs to be put away. I've got kids toys all over the place. I've got a dog that's snoring lovingly, but still somewhat distracting. Those are all things that you can relocate or move to give yourself a strong virtual presence. Now, I mentioned bookcases or bookshelves, and depending on the amount of books you have, it could create a busy backdrop. So very much like the clothing that you're wearing, the background might just be as distracting if you've got thousands of thousands of books in your background because people are trying to you know, read the title, see the cover, see maybe gauge what this person's interested in. All in all, they're not paying attention to you. And that's the most important thing, to pay attention to you. So the idea here is to create a boring, non-distracting environment so that the person on the other end has no other choice to look at you for the duration of the meeting. Now, if you can't completely clean up your virtual background or your background around you, there are options to add virtual backgrounds. And Microsoft Teams has the option. It's very easy. You can upload your own pictures. I believe our marketing team has also put out a couple of backgrounds that are just the UHY logo. So if you want to have that as your virtual background, by all means, go ahead and do so. Go to meeting, training, webinar. You have the ability to add a virtual background if you'd like as well. The process is a little bit more complicated, but as long as you follow the instructions once you get there, it's very easy to get set up. And last but not least is sound. Sound is so important when it comes to virtual meetings because obviously your computer has a microphone, your computer also has speakers. The thing to keep in mind, and my biggest stress for everyone, is if you have a pair of headphones when you're on a conference call, is to please plug them in and use them. So that way, when you are speaking and then you're hearing, there is a minimal chance for feedback. Granted, these laptops do a very good job at isolating that. But when you are on a conference call, it is best to use those headphones because there might be you know, confidential information, especially if you are in a place outside of your home. Perhaps you're in a local coffee shop taking a conference call. Plugging in those headphones helps avoid any of that company confidential information being leaked out. Now, when it comes to your home working space, 
We do recommend sending children or pets to another room to minimize that activity or any of that sound in the background. In fact, I've got a good colleague who has his daughter with him frequently, and she likes to jam. What he'll do is he'll simply just shut his office door, which helps minimize the impact of any of the background noise from her jam sessions, which is very helpful because it creates a nice, clean environment. When you're listening to somebody speak on the other end, it is also important to mute whenever possible. It is best just to keep yourself on mute to, again, minimize those background noises. In fact, even if you send kids to another room, I don't have them, but I know how persistent they can be. If they want your attention, they're going to get it. So keeping yourself on mute is the easiest way to ensure that they don't interrupt your conference call or create some unwanted distraction. I also recommend personally using some sort of accessory mic. You can get them as cheap on Amazon as 99 bucks and up. Again, the higher you go, the better quality of microphone you're going to have. The importance of having some sort of an accessory mic is that they're, vi- they're much better than your standard laptop mic at picking up your, your voice. They sound a lot clearer. They make things a lot easier for you on those conference calls. In fact, some of these higher studio microphones can really do a good job of eliminating some of that background noise so you don't have to you know, shoot kids out although you, you still probably should, or just keep yourself on mute. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Coach's Corner. I hope you learn something new and maybe can take one or two key things to help strengthen your virtual presence. Until you hear from me next time, this is Peter Sachuk, and you've been listening to The Coach's Corner.